Welcome to Law Light, a quick dose of legal levity as we shine some light on the heartbeat of the legal field. I'm Melinda Delmonico, CEO of Gibson Arnold & Associates. And today I am joined by Christy Crace. Christy is Senior Vice President and General Counsel of Professional Case Management and PCM Trials. And Christy joins us today for our in-house series, Women in Leadership. So Christy, welcome and thank you for being a part of our podcast today and our series. And I'd like to start with understanding a bit more about your role and about your company. Sure, and thank you for having me, Melinda. So professional case management provides in-home healthcare services to former nuclear weapons and uranium workers who've contracted illnesses related to their work. So we provide home health services to them through a a program that is funded by the Department of Labor. Separately, our company um, has a division that is rapidly growing in this time of COVID that provides clinical trials um, in the home setting. So we work with pharmaceutical companies and medical device companies to deliver uh, clinical trials to participants in their homes. And I work with both divisions and uh, my role is very broad. So I do both transactional, litigation, regulatory, you name it, also employment, all sorts of work for uh, both of the divisions. Yeah, and I can imagine because I, I know as a general counsel and giving, giving uh, strategic advice, you end up touching so many different topics. Exactly, exactly. And is your company, I'm just curious with, with our time right now and this COVID, you know, here we are 2021 and a lot of great things going on. Is your company helping in, in, in the work around COVID? We have. Um, the trials division in particular um, is working on a number of different projects uh, related to um, both vaccines and to the antibodies. Um, so we are quickly ramping up on how to do that. The providing clinical trial in home care setting is really important at this time because so many people obviously have been concerned about going to a hospital or an institution, um, you know, an educational institution to continue their trials. So even those trials that are not specifically related to COVID are really taking off at this time because people want to be at home and be safe. And so we can bring the trial and the protocol to them. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> so how did you find your way to an in-house role? Tell me a little bit about your background. Wow. Um, through developing really strong, solid relationships, I'd say. Um, so before I even went to law school, I worked with an economic development organization. And during that time, I had the good fortune of working on a private placement for the company with the in-house counsel of one of our partners. And it was through that that I got really interested in um, particularly transactional law and the in-house practice. So my second year of law school, I um, 
did a second summer. I did my first summer with a big, large law firm. And my second summer, I went, I called the general counsel back up and asked if they could create a in-house, you know, internship program for me, which I did. And through that experience, I think I came out learning two things. One, I eventually wanted to be in-house. I really have always enjoyed sitting at the table with the business, strategically thinking about how the business works and working on legal issues from strategy to implementation to following it through to unfortunately dealing with the fallout if something falls through. And the second thing I learned was that in order to bring value to the business at a very as a very baby lawyer, I needed the experience that I got from a big firm. So after that summer, um, I was fortunate enough to get a position with a large international law firm and took that because I knew I needed to really understand much more about what I was doing as a transactional lawyer. Um, So I went to Jones Day for a number of years and then to Holland and Hart. And interestingly, it was those relationships that I created through the time that brought me back into in-house. So when I was um, about a sixth, seventh, I think it was seventh year associate, I got a call from the partner at um, the first firm and his client was looking for in-house counsel. And so that's how I made the transition from being in private practice to being in-house. And... Do you find that women in general prefer to go in-house or do you see them wanting to stay in law firm? What is your experience just in general with the community and the people that contact you? Interesting question. I find it about 50, I I find it equal. It seems like the people that I find that want to go in-house really do it because they enjoy one a broad practice, um, and they really enjoy the industry or the business that they're doing. Um, I think the original thought by in-house counsel was that you work a lot less, the hours were a lot more controllable. So you may see people who want to uh, have a more defined schedule. I think that is a myth. And I think people have realized that, that you a lot of times work as hard in-house as you do at a firm. So for that reason, I don't necessarily see it attracting one gender versus another. You know, it's interesting because I, I feel similarly, I think historically, maybe there was a little more flexibility, but not much. And over the last 10 years, I think the in-house lawyers, ours are just as rigorous as in a law firm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And and to me, it's more, do you want to be an entrepreneur and have your own business and private practice? Or do you want to be part of a bigger team and be a part of a business and growing a business? And that seems to be the differentiating factor from what I hear. Right. That, and I think if you really want to specialize, um, there's times when I absolutely have to use counsel and I have very good partners at uh, firms because they are specialists where I know the business and I know the general issues, but I don't have the luxury or the time to dive in and to really provide the expertise that my company needs. And so when you think about 
your career? Did the did you shape your career or did the career shape you? Again, it's a bit of both. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. As I mentioned, I mean, I clearly shaped my career in terms of when I started in legal practice, I knew I wanted to be in-house. So I continually sought out opportunities to do that. Um, you know, like creating the summer internship with the former uh, development bank that I worked with. And then through time, I made some very strategic moves. Um, so when, for example, I was at an engineering construction and design company, um, when they had a transition, I began looking for the transition as well and moved over to the healthcare industry. Um, Linda, I think, Melinda, I think you helped me with that one. So um, but I saw a lot more women in leadership roles. The industry spoke to me because I thought it was a, you know, growing and upcoming industry, particularly with our population. And then at times I made some really hard decisions. There were times when um, I left one position for another because of the opportunities presented. And at times they were uncomfortable to stretch and grow that way, moving into this position, for example, but also realizing that it was where I needed to go to continue to develop and grow. In terms of the career shaping me, um, gosh, it's clearly had an impact on my life. Um, I've always been a huge fan for example, of these corporate development programs. A lot of people think they're kind of corny, but I have learned so much about myself, how I interact with my family, how I interact with my friends and other people through those programs. Uh, my poor family will tell you they have gone through more trust falls and values exercises and all sorts of things because of that. But it also the things that I've learned have um, immersed me into various industries, which have made me um, not only more interesting at cocktail parties, but I, I think it's made me more aware of what's going on um, in our world. And it's given me more confidence to step out um, and be a part of the business community. And so when you think about those experiences and also your business experience, what, what are your biggest learnings that you've had in your career? Right. <laughs> Definitely invest in people and in relationships. I think it's very easy as a lawyer to continue to get caught up in the work. And where I've had the biggest dividends and returns is when I've spent that time to really work with somebody who, you know, a paralegal, a junior lawyer or somebody um, to develop them. Similarly, uh, developing my own relationships um, across a lot of different companies and industries. I've also really learned to focus on things, focus on what's right versus who's right. It's in, a, in, a, in an industry like legal, I think we often fight for our position and sometimes particularly in healthcare, you know, what's right is focusing on the needs of the patient, the client, and sometimes your client is not right <laughs> or doing what's in the best interest, not in general, but at times it's, it's bringing that focus back and focusing on what is right. Um, and then finally, um, for me, one of the biggest things I've learned 
is to learn to talk back, if you will, to um, advocate for myself. And what I mean by that is um, I went to a pod uh, CLE at one time and they talked about our internal voice. And I think a lot of women lawyers have what I call the itty bitty shitty committee that's in your head and <laughs> can give you a lot of negative self-talk. And it's taught me to learn to using some of the skills I use with legal to listen to people, listen to that and start talking back and advocating and laughing at it, seeing, you know, when I hear some of the negative self talk coming in saying, no, look at what you've done, stop and reflect and do those types of things. Um, that's been one of the biggest learnings for me is learning how to acknowledge that there's no perfect way to do things. And at times you make decisions with the best information you have and you can continually move forward and improve how you've done things, but mistakes will happen and that's okay. And I really honor your comments and especially about the voice, because I think if right. we, the one thing we could give our children and especially our young women is to know truly that internal voice and to really listen to it and go with that instinct. And there's somewhere, I think as a, a society, uh, there's been so much collective training, so to speak, of how the female is versus the male and the expression of the right. And so I really, really am right with you on um, that every woman has that internal voice that they truly are listening to and are guiding them and they're not beating themselves up, right? <laughs> that they're, right. they're truly right. understanding this is a learning experience or I'm moving forward and I have the courage and the voice to right. do that. What are your greatest challenges? Well, similarly, I'm building on what we just talked about one of my personal biggest challenges is comparing myself, my career, my talents, my uh, what I have chosen to do to other people. Um, and that can be, um, that can lead to dissatisfaction. I think that when I have learned to sit back and realize we all have certain things we excel at in certain gaps and everything is an opportunity to fill in those gaps and not compare what I'm doing to other people, then I have been much, much happier <laughs> and I have enjoyed where I am. Uh, and then the second thing that I've really struggled with at times is not to be so focused on the do. Um, I think as lawyers, we, our, our plate will never be empty. Our desk will never be clean. Um, my husband's a pilot and we laugh that when he parks the plane, his job is done. I will never have that luxury. Every day I go home and my list of things to do has only grown versus shrunk, it seems like. And I think what I, what I struggle with at times is we have to get stuff done and we have a very GSD culture at times. However, allowing myself the time to think, to process, to sit back, reflect, to plan, to strategize and giving myself, it feels almost like a luxury at times, but it is essential just to times put my thinking cap on 
unplug and just try to give myself that space. Yeah, I think that's a, such a, uh, an important point with, with having that reflective time and, and having a moment of just kind of regrouping for how we proceed because I see that so often with lawyers, the work is never done, it's constant. The right. constant stream with your, with your clients. And with that, on, as being part of an executive team, I'm just curious about for you as a female executive, is there any advice that you would give other women general counsels or women that are wanting to go into an executive level role that you've learned in your, your position? Advice. Two pieces. One is, and it gets back to the voice again, your voice matters. I think it's, easy at times to assume that other people who may be louder, stronger, uh, more assertive have, you know, an opinion that maybe is more important, but that's, you know, it, it truly is. And as you move into an executive role, you start to understand how legal works with finance, works with IT, works with operations. And it, it, all has to be taken into consideration. And so being, you know, assertive and speaking up, and even if at times people say we can't only focus on legal or the business will never move, that's true if the only thing that they're focusing on is legal possibly, but it's a very important component part. And so you have to be able to speak up and speak up more than just in terms of legal. As an executive, they've hired you for your experience, for your for your brain, for how you think, for your problem-solving abilities. And so you may not always just be speaking to legal. So I think that that's probably the most important um, is to really assert yourself. And so when you when you think about in the leadership role, I know that right now under the COVID scenario, life has changed dramatically in so many different ways for corporate America and how companies are handling their employees and working. And it just brings up the thought process as an executive, you know, how important is work-life balance to a leader? And, and in this time period, you know, it's, I think everyone has been maneuvering so many different issues from childcare to how do I get my kids educated to just my home office versus my, do I go into the office? And it's gotten much more complex. So you know, can we even define work-life balance in this period? And is it over the top? Is it, you know, what is your experience around that? And in general, how important is it in, in a leadership role? It's, it's uber important. Um, you know, this work, as we talked about, can eat you up. Um, and I think in this current environment, it's even at times more difficult because it's 24 seven there. My office is, you know, 10 steps upstairs from, from my home. So, and they're one and the same and they become that, um, you know, one thing I learned really early is that, um, I remember working, um, at a large law firm. And someone always said, you can control when you come in, you can't control when you leave at times. And I've always 
if you will, taken that to heart because I know for me that if I don't have time with my family, if I don't have time, God forbid, to exercise, um, that um, and time with friends to get out and to just let off steam, that what happens is as I get out of balance, I become irritable. I become, you know, things become more about my needs. They become more about things that um, my world, my perspective is lost. I really focus in on only what is in front of me uh, versus being able to focus on the needs of my team, the needs of the company, the, you know, being able to support. Um, I spent some time at DaVita and I think that the thing that stuck with me there at times is you can't pour from an empty cup. And I know that that's a saying that's more than just their saying, but it's, um, it's really true. It's putting your uh, oxygen mask on first so that you can then help others before you, you know, before you jump out that plane, <laughs> if you will, every day. Yeah. And I think in today's world, there's so many, so many different aspects of distraction to self-care. Right. And when you think about not only the pace of a job, but you are constantly with iPhones, email, you know, all constantly coming in and, and all the social media and everything that's there. There's so many distractions to your point earlier of sitting quietly and <laughs> self-reflecting and having, having a little bit of space to just have downtime. And you have to protect really that. Um, I've always been pretty jealous about the time that I have, for example, in the mornings, I start a little bit later because that morning time is when I work out. I'm happy to stay later, but um, I, unless it's absolutely I can't do it, I try to not start until, you know, nine o'clock because I know that I'm a lot better at 9.01 if I've had my time with <laughs> my coffee with my family and on my Peloton than if I haven't. So, <laughs> so Christy, what, what inspires you? That is such a great question. Um, I would have to say it is seeing, observing, being a part of people who are doing something with their passion. Um, and I thought about, you know, yes, it's the arts. Yes, it's cultural. But I think the thing that really inspires me the most is when I watch, for example, um, I'm very involved in the uh, ballet community. When I watch a dancer who's just poured everything out to them and then seeing all the sweat, the, the effort that comes together to put on what looks like a seemingly flawless performance. Similarly, um, I worked with a person, um, I still work with her who, you know, supported five children, who worked as an assistant, who was getting her degree um, and who came through all of that and was super passionate about uh, the diversity and inclusion and belonging movements. And, um, she has moved from that role into a leading role within a very large organization to head up those efforts. And it just, every time I talk to her, it completely inspires me. So it's seeing people really live out their passion um, inspires me to give my best at the things that I'm doing. So 
Uh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And and, the, and those folks are completely inspiring. I agree with you with when we see, and there's so much about going on right now you know, for right. all different areas with diversity and inclusion, the environment, world health, everything that's going on. Right. Uh, and it, it is finding that way to our passion. I know with, with Gibson Arnold and the work that I do, I think when a lot of times when people want to make a job change, part of it is that issue. Exactly. Is, what am I really passionate about? And is this a job or can I live my passion? And exactly. how is law my passion? And law can absolutely be a fantastic passion. But it, it, was it their passion? So. Exactly, exactly. Well, Christy, thank you. Um, I'm thank so you. delighted to have had this time with you. And I, um, I really appreciate you joining me today. And thank you so much for tuning in to Law Light from Gibson Arnold and Associates. Please like us and subscribe, subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating to let us know how we're doing. We look forward to connecting with you again in our next episode. Lift your voice for those beyond.